This is a Kaiju Transmissions podcast. My name is Kyle Bird, and with me is my co-host Matt Parmley. And uh, we uh, ha- are gonna uh, before we get into our main topic. I think there's a couple news items for us to cover. Tell us about the the these news items we got here. Well, the main thing is. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong was moved to March opening next year of 2020. Um, it was moved from a May release date, which was actually, I believe, Memorial Day weekend, basically to not have to compete with uh, Fast and Furious 11 or whatever number they're on now. Probably a smart move because the Fast and Furious movies print money, and I would imagine that Godzilla would lose that battle if they were to go up against each other. So I'm definitely cool with seeing Godzilla vs. Kong you know, in 10 months, right after, or 10 months after seeing Godzilla King of the Monsters, as opposed to having to wait the full year. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if, if they're confident that they can, you know, jump up two months, then sure, whatever. It's just, it's kind of weird to think that that's only like a year away, and we're already going to be having another Godzilla movie. I wonder if yeah, that's I mean, going to be like, I don't know, because I wonder if... I wonder what that'll do box office wise. Like, are people going to be like, "Oh, we had a Godzilla less than a year ago"? Like, I mean, I know Marvel is like kind of over worrying about stuff like that because they've never had that problem. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine this gives that movie a chance to have some legs, whereas like a lot of people if it were competing with fast and the furious i feel like that's a lot of overlapping audience probably right so unless you're i mean i don't know for me i would always go see godzilla but i would say there's a lot of my friends who probably feel the opposite so yeah um the other piece of news is that on april 1st 2019 the ultraman anime will be dropping on netflix so uh i i I, have bird have you you looked at any of the, the the manga at all for that? I uh, no, like I, I I watched the trailer for this anime and I could barely like my yeah, eyes there's... wanted to bleed basically. Yeah, I felt the same way. I'm not a huge fan of uh, the 3D anime stuff. However, the the manga actually has had. I mean, from the people I've talked to, it has a, a pretty unique approach to the character, and it seems to be doing fairly well. I mean, Viz has been putting it out, I believe. So, um, doesn't I'm he not grow? in it yeah i mean he's like a, it's basically like an alternate take on ultraman like the original ultraman series happens and this is his son and instead of him like changing into a gigantic you know 50 meter ultraman it's like a suit of armor that's basically just human size which sounds bizarre but 
I have read like the first, I don't know if you call it volume or whatever. And it was, I mean, it was interesting. Like I, it's one of those things that I'm assuming we're going to cover it when it comes out in April. So, um, I might pick up and, and check out before then. And, and I've, like I said, I've heard, talked to a couple other people about it and they've all said it's pretty decent. Hmm. We'll see how it translates into the anime. That's really the biggest thing for me. Cause the, I, I can't speak for you, but for 3d animation to me, it hurts my eyes a bit. And so like, even watching the, uh, you know, Toho anime, um, just like the visuals were sometimes uh, hard to focus on, I guess. Yeah. Well, the Toho one, like, at least a lot of the time was kind of, I guess, mimicking the look of, like, a 2D anime, so it didn't really, like, it It didn't get to me too much. I see what you're saying, but, like, when I, like, the trailer, I looked at the trailer for this, and I was like, oh my god. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it is uh, all 3D all the time, basically, and it's it's almost like watch. I mean, it's basically like watching a PS4 game, just Ultraman and stuff. And also, why is uh, Hayata like fighting Ultraman as an old man of you know probably sixty or seventy years old in this? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> um, I'm watching the uh, the trailer again as we're talking, just to, like, yeah, this is painful. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I mean, uh, I guess if if uh, trusted sources tell me that it's uh, worth checking out, I'll check it out. If not, I'll continue to ignore it like every other new Ultraman thing. I don't know, we'll see. I mean, whatever. If it's good, then, I mean, that's definitely not a bad thing. Uh, so speaking of Subaraya Productions, we are talking about a obscure kaiju film from the early 70s which is daigoro versus goliath uh which i think uh i we're gonna get into the kind of murky history there's like a lot there's so, like i feel like this movie is so obscure even in japan that like there's like gaps in the story here as to how it was made right like yeah that that's that is <laughs> and like it's basically like two conflicting tales of how it even originated yeah so what what we know is that for the 10th anniversary of Subaraya Productions they um entered into talks with Toho to do uh, a movie to celebrate that anniversary um and it would be part of the Champion Festival and everything and so 1972 is when the movie was released, so there's two versions of how this happened. There was that Godzilla vs. Red Moon, a movie that didn't get made, was going to be that co-production, and for whatever reason, um, the Toho's side fell out a little bit, and it was no longer a Godzilla movie, and the 10th anniversary movie was uh, turned into this film. The other version of that is that this movie was going to be made, and then a year later, suits made for this movie would be used for Godzilla vs. Red Moon, uh, which uh, some sources say were, was going to come out in 1973, a year later than, than this movie. Um, so, I don't know, I... I mean, it's really up to, like, your best guess as to which of those is real. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I I've... 
I, I've heard people on both uh, with with both theories. Um, honestly, for me personally, I think it's a little bit more believable to consider that this started as God uh, the Godzilla project. And then it was decided not to make a Godzilla movie, and then Toho stayed on as a distributor, and then uh, to release it as a part of the Champion Festival. Because at the time, Toho was using Tsuburaya material for the Champion Festival, like they do Ultraman episodes and Mirror Man episodes. So they already kind of had a relationship distributing Tsuburaya stuff as part of those. So my theory is, for whatever reason... Um, the Godzilla movie with Tsuburaya didn't happen, and then Tsuburaya were like, well, we still need to make, like, an anniversary film, and they made that, and Toho was like, okay, well, we'll distribute it, and it'll be, you know, basically our property, like, Toho's the one that releases it on DVD and all that stuff. Um, So, I don't know, that's kind of where I fall, just because, like, even looking at the suits, like... The effects in this movie are great, but the suits are, like, the weak point. And I just, I can't imagine, like, a reworked Goliath suit being a in a Godzilla film. <laughs> a like, Godzilla it, film. yeah, it, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't look like anything that would show up in a Godzilla movie. Well, apparently, uh, um, Hurricane Ryu did some concept art, potentially, and it did feature the suit from son of godzilla as being the design and so one of the stories was that the when toho was going to loan them the godzilla suit was going to be the suit from son of godzilla which would actually kind of fit in perfectly with this film in a lot of ways just because of how kind of quirky the suits look but that suit was like destroyed by then that was yeah exactly so that's one of the rumors that was kind of because that that suit shows up in godzilla versus gigan and it looks like just people saw the the concept art and just assumed but like yeah that's yeah waterlogged is all get out um well i i guess that hurricane ryu art was done like long after the 70s as part of i don't know a book or something but even then also it should be mentioned that he also included illustrations of the of red moon and the other monsters from that and they look nothing like the monsters in Daigoro versus goliath so like red moon is yeah well i mean i don't know if he's basing it on Something that we don't... Well, yeah, I mean, he could be basing it on, like, a a script or something that someone had given him. Like, I mean, he could be basing it on, you know... Because someone had hired him to do that, so unless he just made up his own monster designs. Well, the... I mean, I know that uh, Daigoro is actually the Red King suit from Ultraman. So, like, imagine that suit being converted to, to Daigoro... And then, of course, having appear in a Godzilla movie like that, just it would just be shot already, basically. Yeah, and they already messed. They already did a bunch of crap with it. Like it, it, that suit would have been like the Baragon suit because Red King was already used for um, a couple other monsters. Like, is it Erebus? What's the I, one? Yeah, Abaros. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I'm butchering. We're butchering the names like usually. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not as savvy on Ultraman <laughs> kaiju names as I'm, I'm savvy some people. On, on no Japanese monsters names. So. Well, that's true. Um, I don't know. For, for me, I, I think that the theory that it originated as Godzilla versus Red Moon and then became something else uh, 
seems to make a little more sense. I think that the Godzilla movie was probably scrapped, and Tsuburaya said, well, we still need to get a movie out um, for the anniversary, and they had a good relationship with Toho, and Toho agreed to say, like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we'll put it as part of the Champion Festival, but if we do that, we, you know, we own the the home video rights and all that stuff. I, I, that's what makes sense to me, because also if you look at, like... Um, like the credits, there's virtually no Toho staff on there. There's some people that started at Toho and then went uh, into Subaraya and you know worked on the the Ultraman shows, but there's no like Toho staff. And like you look at like King Kong Escapes, that's a Rankin Bass Co production, but it's all Toho people. So unless this is like, but again, that but then again, that was like barely any Rankin Bass people. So unless this is like an opposite thing, where it was Toho, a co-production, and Subaraya handled it all. Um, I don't know that it, you could even call it a proper co-production. It just seems like Toho's actual uh, production involvement was very minimal, if if at all existent. Yeah, I mean that. That's. I, I think that's why I lean towards your theory that it it was basically Subaraya all the way after Toho was, for whatever reason, said, "Yeah, we can't, we can't do this." That makes the most sense to me. Um, yeah, I don't... I just don't see how... Like, uh... Like, I, I just don't see how they would, you know, make this and then be like, oh, reuse the suits for Godzilla. Like, it, I, I, it sounds like there was a co-production for a Godzilla movie and it fell through and then they did this instead, but Toho still, like, helped them get it out there and, and, and whatnot. One thing you mentioned when you talked about Toho staff, so there are claims actually on, like, I think even the English Wikipedia for this that talks about um, Terry Yoshi Nakano being part of the special effects for the film, but in the credits for the actual movie, uh, our buddy Kevin Darendor talks about it. It's only, it only lists June uh, Oki and... Minaro Nakano, who actually they did go on to be a part of many Subaraya shows as well as uh, the Ultra Q movie, but not again, not Toho staff. My uh, my guess is IMDb or Wikipedia or whatever. Wrong Nakano. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. That my guess yeah. is they're confusing the two because I mean I don't know stuff like especially when you're dealing with translated materials. I mean it's probably not that hard of a mistake to make. Um, but yeah, even on the production end, it's like Hajime Subaraya, like Tanaka is nowhere to be found. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm really leaning towards this was probably like a 98% Subaraya venture in the end. Um, also like in, but Toho has some kind of ownership over it, right? Because they do the home video releases and every now and then, not often, like every now and then the, the, this movie will be included in like a book on Toho films. Um, very seldomly though. It's usually in the Subaraya stuff. In fact, um, Daigoro and Goliath are featured in the Subaraya uh, Monster Encyclopedia book, um, and um, Daigoro would make a later appearance on the little um, the Ultraman kids puppet TV show. Um, Daigoro and Goliath showed up on there. So, 
again, I'm I'm leaning towards this was less of a co-production and more of a uh, uh, just a Subarai adventure. Talk about uh, this film is such an anomaly, though. Can you imagine? Like, apparently there were seven manga tie-ins. Like, how does the fact that that happened at any point is just concurrent manga tie-ins from what i understand yeah that's that is <laughs> hard to fathom um one thing is for sure though it sounds like this movie at some point it sounds like this movie exists because of th- a planned co-production with toho at some point which yes was godzilla versus red moon now whether godzilla versus red moon was to uh um come out after this or if got or if this movie became a thing because that movie was canceled uh we probably won't know the truth i mean we've said our personal opinions here um but unless someone who happens to still be alive that would remember is asked which is doubtful (laughs) not doubtful that they're alive but doubtful that anyone would ask just because this is such a like obscurity that no one really seems to remember anywhere um i don't think we'll know the truth um but i i do think uh we should circle back to godzilla versus red moon just because um i don't know over the that that's probably one of the more infamous um uh I guess, lost projects, right? I, I think it's one of the first ones I ever read about. Um, Definitely one of the first ones I've ever seen, like, concept art for and people heavily talking about. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, it definitely was kind of an interesting idea. Um, I'll read the synopsis. I'm just going to read it straight out of John LeMay's book, uh, The Big Book of Japanese Giant Monsters, just because... I think he did a good job of like breaking it down into like a one-paragraph summary. Um, so Godzilla vs. Red Moon. Uh, tremors on the moon are investigated by an Apollo spacecraft, which witnesses the rising of a dragon-like monster dubbed Red Moon. Back on Earth, Okinawa's Habu Island, another monster called Erebus uh, is discovered. When the military is unable to defeat both monsters, they decide to lure Red Moon to Habu Island to battle Erebus. Instead, Red Moon becomes infatuated with the female monster, and the two run off together for parts unknown. The military decides to drop the matter and let the monsters live in peace, which is kind of an interesting, uh, like, these movies never end out, turn up that way. Um... (laughs) However, a greedy entrepreneur uh, knows that Erebus's blood possesses rejuvenative properties and uh, kills uh, Erebus's newborn baby monster, Hafun. This enrages the two monster parents who begin destroying Okinawa. Godzilla arrives on the island and puts a stop to their rampage, uh, but in a rare showing of compassion, allows Red Moon to fly back from whence he came. Um... I don't know. I actually kind of like that uh, idea. It, Godzilla's involvement is weird, though, because yeah. it, it sounds <laughs> like weird, yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like a pretty well-rounded kaiju movie, and then Godzilla just shows up. Like the the story that you would have two monsters, a space monster and um, uh, an Earth monster, and you know they do their thing and you know the solution in a lot of these movies is oh let you know the let them fight right and then it turns out they actually mate and then have a baby like i don't know that's a pretty original idea and then the baby is killed by the um killed when uh um 
uh, it's discovered that the its blood like might a have miracle, yeah. yeah, blood juice thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then the two monsters go on a rampage. Like that sounds like a movie itself. So it does. So it's and then, it's yeah. It's strange that they were like yeah, and let's just put God's let's like it almost feels like something that would have been something else and then they're like oh let's add Godzilla in but it that's not the case this was written as a Godzilla story and i don't know that's really bizarre but like it works without Godzilla in it it does and then when Godzilla finally shows up he basically he kills the from what i'm reading the mother by throwing her like in the ocean which is somehow on fire and then he's about to kill Red Moon in a it one of the child characters basically begs Godzilla to have mercy, and Godzilla, for whatever reason, relents and then allows Red Moon to fly back to the moon. That's yeah, a, that's a bizarre like Godzilla Final Wars minion stepping in the way kind of ending, but it's from a, a kid character, so that would have been interesting. That's that sounds more like a Gamera movie to me. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's 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 really odd that. Like it, it sounds like Godzilla would just crash the third act, basically. Um, there's some cool stuff in there, though. Uh, like um, at one point, they try to use the the city's pollution to defeat the monsters, which, like, yeah, the pollution in Japan in the '70s was like a huge problem. I mean, that's where Godzilla versus Hedorah came from, and all this other stuff, but. Yeah, that's an interesting idea to actually, like, I guess, try to weaponize the the Earth's pollution <laughs> to defeat a monster. That does sound kind of awesome, actually. Um, uh, but yeah, and apparently the, the screenwriter said that um, the pollution elements were inspired by real events caused by the U.S. airbase in Okinawa in 1969. So, I don't know, apparently uh, the U.S. airbase in Okinawa did something bad <laughs> with pollution at some point. I don't know. It does. Uh, I don't have a, a, any, any further specifications around that. That sounds like something. <laughs> sounds, do, sounds like something. I mean, we that's, would do. that's like kind of what the host started with too. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, I guess the, I guess one thing that people, I guess over the years misconstrued was with with the two monsters mating and I remember reading this somewhere maybe an old G fan or something I have no idea that there was a mating scene which is non-existent in the script it just says that uh the the two monsters fall in love and then leave together and then you know next thing you know they have a a baby monster uh, however a, a mating scene would it just have made this even weirder yeah, I I actually remember reading that somewhere as well, and like it's like that doesn't seem to fit with uh, Godzilla at all. But this, I mean, yeah. obviously that's not what they were intending. They just yeah. kind of go off and disappear, and it's implied, which makes more sense. Yeah, again, I mean, stuff like that's probably easy to mistranslate. Um, uh, similarly, uh, people for years had reported that the baby monster Hafun would be um, put on display, similar to you know King Kong or something. Um, but they were trying to capture him to to use his blood um, as that miracle cure. Uh, hey, so. I found uh, through the magic of Google, by the way, I found out what happened on that airbase. We were disposing Agent Orange, and uh, like they were using it for weed killer and stuff, and it 
obviously that's bad <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> so yeah that makes so basically we were we were polluting the ground and then yeah that sounds wonderful <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh wow okay <laughs> um there's multiple sources for that by the way so it's like uh <laughs> all right well that's godzilla versus red moon um I it's still kind of weird that the way Godzilla is involved in the plot, but uh, that being said, there's a lot of ideas in there that I like. That um, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised no one kind of un- resurrected any of those ideas for any just any kaiju anything somewhere down the line. Um, I don't know. I think I think it probably would have been pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I mean. Uh- a lot of cool ideas. Godzilla, reading the reading what we know about it, it sounds like Godzilla Godzilla's appearance might have been a bit tacked on. But who knows how the the end battle could have been handled? That might have been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um. So regardless of whether that movie being canceled led to this one, or if this one was already in production and Red Moon would follow, uh, again we we don't know. Um. But, uh, I don't know, it's my theory that Godzilla was scrapped altogether and they did this instead, which to me explains the lack of Toho staffing. Um, so, Daigoro versus Goliath uh, ended up finally making it to the screen December of 1972 as part of the Champion Matsuri Festival. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we uh, are in our our main topic. Um, so uh, we have um, some familiar faces in here um, that we'll get into. Um, so uh, I guess we'll. I'll, I guess I'll do a little plot breakdown. So this movie uh, picks up um, a few years after a kaiju attack where we have uh, the monster Daigoro, which is a common, uh, actually, like, a common name in Japan. Um, And he's a baby monster. Uh, His mother was killed um, prior to the start of the movie um, when uh, there was a a nuclear submarine that woke them up, uh, woke up the mo- the mother monster from her slumber in the ocean. She comes ashore and wrecks Japan, and she's killed by the military, leaving behind the baby Daigoro. Uh, and then we have uh, the, um, the good-hearted zookeeper Goro um, cares for the baby Daigoro. And when we start the movie, uh, we are learning that he's just getting too big, and uh, the bigger he gets, the more food he needs, which means the more money they need to take care of him. So they're trying fundraisers and uh, contests, just trying to get enough money to feed the the creature who uh, is basically starving. <laughs> when we begin the movie, in fact, he hasn't eaten in so long that he hasn't been able to poop in his giant porta potty. 
Uh, oh yes, we'll get back to that. I'm sure. Did I mention this movie's made for like preschoolers? I feel like th- I, we should have led with that. Yeah, we buried the lead there. I think. Uh, okay. I think um, like this movie is arguably probably childish for the core demographic of like a Gamera movie. Like, that's how young they're going here. Um, which, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. So, yes, uh, that is why we have things like giant porta-potties. Um, but, yes, yeah, so he hasn't used his porta-potty in so long that there's cobwebs on it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, he hasn't pooped because he hasn't eaten. Um, which is funny, before the fan sub of this came out, uh, anytime I looked at like an English language summary, people would always point out that there's a subplot involving the monster being constipated and he can't poop, but it's just because he hasn't <laughs> eaten. Um, so that's another uh, myth busted for this movie. But um, so so they're trying to just do anything they can. Like ki- kids are rallying around. Um, you know, in the streets with signs, help Daigoro, kids love him, uh, you know, he's a sweet monster, a friendly monster, uh, and, you know, uh, they just, it, they're having a hard time with funding. Uh, so, um, Meanwhile, I think uh, one of the, the, the next, I guess, secondary character is an inventor, um, Played by uh, one of the characters from the Crazy Cats films, or one of the actors from the Crazy Cats films, um, and he keeps doing these game shows and stuff uh, with these inventions, and if they work, he wins a cash prize, and, uh, you know, that's not working out for him. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a quaint little story about people trying to raise money for the lovable monster. Uh, and then uh, something changes when uh, one day a meteorite lands uh, in the ocean, and in the meteorite is a giant monster called Goliath. Um, for those of you who are uh, uh, up on your um, religious... Uh, um, I guess, uh, <laughs> allegory, you will notice, uh, yes, uh, Daigoro, I don't know, is a common human name, kind of like David, uh, the big, mean creature that needs to get defeated by the little guy is named Goliath, so put that together for, for yourselves, people, um, Anyhow, uh, he comes to Earth, and uh, he just so happens to crash near um, the island that Daigoro is living on, and he just gets his ass beat. Um, And so then we are treated to some montages and such of Daigoro learning uh, uh, how to fight, uh, learning... um, martial arts <laughs> they try to teach him how to hinge in yeah <laughs> yeah the one yeah like one guy a, tries to get him to do the common do yeah do the common rider transformation uh and um uh and the actor that does that is actually the um uh the guy from the the science patrol guy from ultraman yeah, he's the yeah. captain uh, akiji kobayashi he's been in a bunch of not just ultraman stuff and common rider stuff Right, yeah, I guess that's, you know, that's the obvious in-joke with the common Rider Henshin thing is, um, yeah, he, uh, he, um, 
he's the one that suggests it. And I guess in the original story, or in the original Common Rider, I think he's the one that invents him. So he's like... Um, also, uh, did you notice um, Tomonori uh, Yazaki, who played Ichiro in Godzilla's Revenge? I did, actually, yeah. Okay, I, I mean, I just, I wasn't looking for him, but I know he's like a smaller supporting role as one of the kids. Um, do you recall where, where, where he might have been more prominent? I'm trying to think of, like, like I actually split this viewing up over, uh, over a couple of days, so I'm not sure... <laughs> At this point, I was more preoccupied with, is this monster going to poop or not to <laughs> worry about the cameo? <laughs> yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to get invested in that subplot, right? Um, well, anyway, the the kid from Godzilla's Revenge is in there somewhere, and um, I think those two movies are, and maybe a couple TV episodes, are like his only screen credits, and I, no one knows where he is. Like People like Brett Hominick and like those guys that are always interviewing these old uh, actors, like they can't find him anywhere so i don't know if he's listening you know i mean fig you know let, let us know come on and uh and one of we'll... our 12 listeners is a, is a kid from godzilla's revenge <laughs> what would the odds be of that yeah um oh i made a mistake the zookeeper is not named goro my bad goro i think is uh um the I guy th- from mortal kombat <laughs> no sorry. I'm, uh, I'm sorry um Anyhow, uh, so, um, anyway, so, okay, so they have to teach him how to fight, and then, uh, they finally have their second round, uh, Daigoro, um, wins by blasting, uh, Goliath's horn, which is, um, like the source of his, his, uh, um, power basically and then they do the thing that uh they do in ultraman with the uh, sea uh Simons or sebos or however you want to pronounce it where they tie him to a rocket and just launch him into space to suffocate and die in space <laughs> uh and, and that's our movie um along the way uh there's a lot of just i mean this is a movie for toddlers basically there's a lot of like goofy subplots that are just there to kind of make the kids laugh that don't have much to do with anything like uh one (laughs) one thing that's not very um modern uh is uh one of the characters who um you know has a passion for for daigoro is uh um the fat drunk guy um and he uh to save money and help uh help the monster he 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 gives up his drinking and so like you see this guy like have like horrible alcohol withdrawal basically throughout the whole movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like at one point he's like hallucinating and having dreams of like women coming out of billboards and like handing him drinks and stuff uh i mean it's it's all like <laughs> stupid humor that uh, I don't know. I find kind of charming in this movie. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, at the end, when Daigoro, um, you know, is is you know, finally gets some food, and you know, people are on his side, and and you know, making sure he has uh, everything he needs, uh, he is finally able to poop, and um, the the alcoholic character um, resumes his addiction. Yeah, that came full circle. I was not, not, not just. It's not just that he like falls back into alcoholism. It's that it's actually celebrated. His wife is pouring him like 
the biggest <laughs> mug of beer at the end of the film. Yeah, also, no, he, he relapses hardcore, and everyone's, like, really happy with, with about his, it. With his uh, wife's full support, <laughs> who, by the way, is trying to have him... She's praying that he dies. So, like, during during this movie, this guy hits on his friends, what he learned. But he hits on, on Saito, by the way. Saito is the guy that you were calling Goro. Okay, okay, um, okay. Yeah, he hits on his, like, niece, and this guy's married. And so, so the drunk guy hits on this dude's niece at the beginning of the film and then he and his wife are very disgruntled throughout and then when they go on this mission what they're trying to do is they're trying to like tie up the, this the monster's horn so that he can't use it or something during, during that time his wife wants him to die and then at the end they reunite and she gets him drunk because that's you know <laughs> i'm pretty sure he threatens her with physical violence at some point no no he also. hits her in the face i forgot <laughs> that part yeah he like that part was a bit no he i was watching it and i'm like this guy would be very charming and like sort of lovable until that happens. Like the womanizing <laughs> and the women slapping thing was a little, you know, did you notice when he's drunk at the end of the movie that they like, it, that's a special, they add that those red eyes, like the entire thing. Yeah. Of yeah. His face is added by special effects. They wanted you to make, they wanted to make sure you knew that this guy was plastered. Yeah, man. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's, problematic by today's uh standards for sure it is admittedly <laughs> admittedly the guy does have a lot of charm when he's doing other things and he is pretty funny and there's some you know he his his reactions to things are hilarious saito's an idiot by the way the the, the like inventor every time he walks into his like front yard there's like inventions where like water spring all over the place and like moving dolls and, and yeah his yeah, inventions are always like they're exploding terrible. and <laughs> he's not very yeah he's not good at it there's a scene where he has like a a rainmaker machine and yeah. it uh it doesn't work but then it starts to snow and then they're like oh it made snow but it turns out like no that's just it was just, just happened to be snowing and what's he, the uh goliath's ability like it he controls the weather somehow they explained that i was like oh okay but like that, the coincidence was it got cold because the monster appeared, and somehow that's related to like the lightning horn. And uh, yeah. they talk about somehow his body like changes the air around it, and it can make it extremely cold. It's just very exposition, expositional. I feel like that whole thing is just there to set up that joke of the guy's <laughs> the guy's rain thing not working. No, you're, that's exactly right. I mean, the whole, his whole deal is he, Saito's trying to win a contest. I guess for this show, an ongoing television show, that if your invention works, they pay you a bunch of money, and that's how he's going to uh, feed Digro because Digro has to poop. Yeah, man. If that sounds crazy, it's because that's the actual movie. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we forgot there's a part where um, the drunk and his friend are, like, holding a rally in the streets to, like, try and get funding, <laughs> and, like, people in the audience are, like... I guess mocking him, and he just like starts a street fight with like a crowd of people. Yeah, and then everybody leaves, and he's still fighting because he doesn't realize that nobody's around him. <laughs> it's so. Uh, oh man. So yeah, that's uh, that's the movie. Like um, like we said, I mean, we're talking like really juvenile stuff. Like, and we're talking uh, and the intended age. Like, I mean, we're, we're me and Matt are way too old to be watching this. I'm not gonna lie. To be fair, to <laughs> be fair, 
I watched it with Landon, and he oh, was laughing. So. See, and I watched it with Julia. She fell asleep maybe halfway through, but she she was liking it up until then. So, I mean, we have a sort of excuse. Uh, well, Landon was wise. Like, halfway through, we had to go upstairs for something, and then Scooby-Doo was on, and he was like, no, screw those monster movies. I want to watch Scooby-Doo, which I totally understand in this case. Yeah. And then we finished it um, the next day. But no, I... I, I um. You know, I, I actually do enjoy this movie. Um, you know, it's one of the like if if you're in the if you know what you're getting into and um, you know like who the movie is made for. I mean, like I I watched this movie a few years ago. You know, I didn't have any kids or anything, and when I was finally able to watch it subtitled, I I thought it was a charming little children's film. It's 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 not something I would go back to a lot. Um, you know, if not for the podcast, I probably only would go back to it with my kid. Um, you know, if I didn't have uh, a kid or a podcast, I don't know when I would watch it, ag- <laughs> uh, like a second or third or whatever time. But for for what it is, I I thought I think it's a charming little movie with a lot of um, a lot of neat ideas like I, I like the idea of you know okay we killed the parent monster but like what are we gonna do with the baby I mean we're not gonna kill the baby so what do you do and then it gets into all that stuff and then yeah there's a little subplot where um, they, they've realized like there's no way we can pay for this so they decide to give try and give him drugs to stunt his growth like those are actually <laughs> I forgot about that yeah one. yeah those are actually like interesting ideas for for a kaiju movie that i liked you know i enjoyed watching um i laughed when they would like try to feed him and they like they have this massive bowl just full of all kinds of like bread and carrots and different things like that oh that was always really amusing because they were stuffing the uh the shrinking whatever trying to stop him from growing they were putting that in his food and then he was like throwing the food back at them because he knew something was wrong with it yeah um but yeah i don't know i just i mean that's the word i would use for this movie is is charming um and i i think you know i i i've seen a lot of um kaiju movie fans really kind of go after it and it's easy to pick on because it's got um like stupid humor that yeah is made meant to make like three four-year-olds laugh and you know it's just overall not a very serious movie it's got a lot of goofy comedy and a lot of uh just silly things um and so you know you have that subset of the fandom that's like you know they they don't they don't want to watch anything that is this juvenile because they think that you know, kaiju movies should be serious science fiction all the time. And serious business. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if you can swallow that hang up and en- allow yourself to enjoy something for for children, I think I think it's worth a watch, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's definitely in the vein of some of the more silly Gamera films, and the things that that really work for it. some of the human characters. They have their quirks, and it's sort of charming. I really like. The, the bit where Daigoro is like the monster is very animated throughout the entire film and he's always kind of doing very silly things and he reminds you he, I mean he reminds you basically of a, of a dog um, or like just your pet or whatever and when they're tr- trying to teach him how to fight and um, th- there's a lot of funny and charming things about the movie is it a great movie I don't think so but there's some cool things to, to enjoy about it if you're 
going to sit down and watch it for 80 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I can kind of see... Like, this is one of the only... Well, I guess by now, 2019 standards... Um, this is the only Showa-era kaiju movie that hasn't been released stateside, and I, I mean, it, I, it, like, Japanese kids' movies are all really weird, and I, like, I don't know how you would market this to a Western audience, honestly, um... So I can kind of see. I mean, I I don't know. Now I think someone like a media blasters or some someone could have probably picked it up and been fine. But I mean, I can see why maybe this didn't get a release here. You know, back in the seventies, eighties, or nineties. Um, now though, I mean, I, if someone can get the rights, I don't know. Uh, so, someone like uh, Discotech or something. I mean, could probably do okay with it. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely a, a small, small niche market for it. If you want to watch it for yourself, it is fully subtitled on YouTube right now, so it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, and um, yeah, it wasn't fan subbed until a couple years ago, and uh, even now, it's one of the more obscure kaiju movies, I think. Um, uh, but you know, I, I do think you know, I'm not saying it's an, a masterpiece or it's this amazing feat of filmmaking or or anything, but I, I do think that it's, it, I do think people sh- it, it should check it out. I think it's, I don't, I, I think it's not as seen as it deserves to be. I'll say that much. Especially if you have kids. Bird, did you like the epilogue? <laughs> um, was so that the, like, Saito's niece gets married, which comes out of nowhere, as far as I can remember. And she like, well, there, there's like some talk when I think one of the fr- like the f- one of the first scene she's in, I think, like oh, they yeah, they meant yeah they mentioned that friend. yeah they mentioned that she's trying to find a, a partner for an arranged uh, marriage, yeah. and then I think and I think she introduces the guy, and then like one of his inventions explodes or something, and then you don't hear anything about that until the end again, but. Yeah, uh, like, she, like, walks back in his house, and the sprinklers are going off, and, like, all of his inventions are, like, flying and stuff, and then she runs away. And then cut to Daigoro, and he's sitting down, taking a dump. Yeah. And that's literally how the movie ends. <laughs> yeah, he, well, you know, he's well-fed now, you know, he, he has, he's digesting his food, and, uh, all is right with the world again. Um... Uh, I do think, I mentioned the suits, uh, I don't know, Daigoro's okay, um, Goliath, though, is not a good suit, it's, it's, it's got that thing that a lot of the Ultraman monsters and have, where it's like, they're so cheaply made that, like, they're just, they just are, like, these baggy, like, bags basically with people in them and so like yeah there's just all the the suits folding everywhere and he's got these really long arms and like he just lacks detail overall um not a bad design but i i don't think the suit is very good i do think that uh daigoro's mom um is not only the best yeah not probably is not only the best looking monster but also the best looking scene you know it's a full-on uh kaiju uh rampage in the city um with really good miniatures um overall the the miniatures sets and stuff um are really good in this movie um and even some of the effects like the 
you know, some of like the, the composite and rear projection effects and stuff like that are really good. So uh, from an effects uh, point of view, um, the production values are actually pretty impressive. It's just the, the monster suits themselves are lacking a little bit. I, I don't have much to add to that, um, except I think the – like for how used the Digro suit, you know, we talked about it being the Red King suit – uh, changed into multiple monsters. Like for how beat up that suit should have been, the fact that it's kind of so frumpy and the way that the suit actor behaves with it kind of works in its favor. Like it's always playing with its big belly and stuff. And and there there's some definite charm to that. But as you mentioned, the other monster, like the arms are basically these stiff logs, and they, he just like swings them around back and forth when he's throwing punches. So there's some the fights too. I mean, I, yeah, the fight like, the fight choreography isn't. It's not there, really. Like, you remember it, how we can? Well, you talked about Gamera, and like every time Gamera flies, it just like flies in and lands, and it's very clumsy. Like that's this entire fight. Everything feels very clumsy and slowed down. Yeah, I yeah, I was reminded a lot of uh, the Showa Gamera uh, stuff also when they were fighting because like it's just they're just really kind of slow and like the fight the the fighting like really it looks improvised it doesn't look like it, they had like a nakajima or anyone to actually choreograph anything um so and yeah it's just really stiff like it it it, it was very gamera in that way so i i think that's where where the, the i think the fight choreography and i guess just the suits themselves are where that ass the tokusatsu stuff i think is lacking everything else is great though i mean the effects are good uh miniatures are good i mean all that stuff is good but yeah the the suits and the fight itself are not uh up to par really yeah that's very uh very true um uh I, it has a catchy theme song I'll say that. Yeah. Um, And that's the same composer uh, that did Ultra 7, uh, a few of those shows. Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. I'm I'm doing some Google foo right now. It's Toru Toru something. Um, Toru Fuyuka. Um, Yes, he did Ultra 7... Um, Return of Ultraman, Ultraman Ace, Mirror Man, Fireman, Ultraman 80. Um, I thought the score was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, like, I did. For this yeah, movie, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's very fitting. Um, Landon was humming it uh, as he was like going up the stairs after the movie, so like obviously if it worked for him, it, it's... A oh, I've been humming exactly it like all enough. week. <laughs> yeah, I've been singing the song. <laughs> Um, like walking around, you know the the uh, the office I work in, singing the song. Like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, no, uh, it's 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 enjoyable. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, just I think it works well for the intended audience. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, there's also an injo- an Ultraman in joke when the guy is um, like stuck in his mechanical like. The inventor oh, yeah. has like these mechanical yeah. arms that like don't work, and he gets stuck there. And someone opens the door, and he's like stuck, and he's like, "I'm Ultraman." Um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, uh, it's one of the stranger uh, kaiju movies out there, but um, 
don't know. I think I think it's fun. Are you ready to go ahead and do uh, star ratings? Yeah, man. What do you? What, what kind of? Uh, I, I think I have a good one, but I think you have it. You probably were thinking the same one. Uh, is it how many? Digoro uh, giant dumps do, do I give it out of five? How many, how many Digoro dumps out of five? That's basically where I was. Um, for the intended audience, I think this is actually really well done. Um, I actually think it's better made than some of the other kids' kaiju movies from that era. Like, I mean, at least half of the Showa Gamera movies probably... I would say I would prefer this too. Um, I just find it a quaint and uh, charming little kids movie. Um, that being said, I mean for my taste, it's not something that I'm going to go back to a lot. Um, uh, so I mean, really, kind of evening everything out. Um, what is it as a film that what does it do good? What does it not do good? And does it work for who it's intended for and does it work for me averaging all those factors out um i'm gonna give it a very healthy uh three out of five yeah i mean that's that's about where i'm at i think there are some flaws and obviously that the production values aren't always as high as i would like them to be i think um does it work for the audience though absolutely does it work for me if i had grown up as a kid and like this was a movie i had already seen i would probably rate it a bit higher so i'm actually at a two and a half mm-hmm. but like my son like he might be at a four so yeah and i mean that's you know who should be watching that's not us <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> um yeah no i mean i i like this movie it's just not one that i am really inclined to go back to a lot um when it was because i'd seen it in japanese before it got its fan sub and that seems like a mistake to me. oh it was absolutely a mistake <laughs> because when 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 the fans when when the subtitles came out i was like okay i'll watch this and see what it's all about and like i was expecting it to be like unbearable like i was expecting like another like what's an awful kids kaiju movie like mothra 2 or some or gamma versus zegra like i was expecting something like that where i it would be like okay watching this is going to be a chore and i'm just going to do it to say i've seen it but I was very quickly swept up in just how, I'm going to use that word again, how damn charming the movie is, won me over. Um, So I like it. I think it's a a cute, um, nice little children's film. And like I said, as someone who had seen it in raw Japanese, I was like, oh, wow, this is probably the worst and then when I saw it subtitled, I was pleasantly surprised at how how good I I found it. So, um, so in my I so I'm still gonna say you know it's under uh, it's it's underseen and underrated, um, and uh, yeah, as long as you know what you're getting into going in, I mean, give it a shot. I mean, it's on YouTube. Uh, I mean give it a shot it's it it's it doesn't deserve to be as obscure as it is i'll say that much yeah i couldn't really agree more so yeah. yeah um uh have you seen the ultra q um let's see was this dark fantasy no neo ultra q monster sedagon no because uh it's it's basic I, okay I'm i'm reading it's a stink monster 
Uh, he can emit mucus from his he- nose that can heal w- small wounds in seconds. But it's a very strange-looking monster that's like Daigoro's body with like a like a giant, like an ugly, pimply, oh, yeah. giant-nosed exactly like, face. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there, that's definitely got to. That's got to be a homage to Daigoro, right? Oh yeah, there's. No, I don't know what else that could be. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and I. I mean, I hope more about this movie comes to light in the future, including some of the mangas. Like, uh, we were looking at a couple panels from one of them that seemed to have nothing to do with the movie. I don't even know. Like, I'm not really sure what was happening in them. Uh. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It looked like just like a weird comic strip with Daigoro in it. Yeah, like the the monster and the humans looked like the same size. Yeah, like it was weird. Like, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, I don't know. Maybe more of that material will surface. Um, I know in the 70s, and I think... I, th- I think they did Bullmark figures, and I know a few line, a few companies have done some figures since then of the the monsters in this, but um, but I don't know. I it's a it, it's a good time, and if you have, especially if you have kids, uh, check it out. Um, did you have in, uh, anything else? Nah, man, we I, I think I think we've done an adequate job covering uh yeah what little information there is <laughs> about this movie yeah um uh, like I said YouTube check it out easy easy to find decent quality 80 minutes you know sit down with your kids if you don't have kids and you watch this and you don't like monsters revenge or like Godzilla versus Megalon you're probably in for a rude awakening if you enjoy those films and can watch stuff with the eyes of, of like you know through the eyes of a kid or something, then you might have a good time. Yeah. If you can watch and if you can if you can watch and enjoy like Gamera versus Virus, like yeah, I think that's probably the best comparison because like I like I actually like Gamera versus Virus quite a bit, but I understand why people hate it. Yeah, it, it, like if you can watch that like alone and like be entertained, check this out. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess uh, I guess we're good then. Have a good night. Yeah, good night, everybody.